If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Alrighty, so this is a, a really awesome passage that we are getting to look at uh, today for this Easter service. If you've been tuning in with us over the last few weeks, you've seen that we've been doing uh, this this series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the most famous words of Jesus in this most famous sermon of his, the Sermon on the Mount, and we've just been taking it verse by verse, kind of going section by section through this sermon. And it's not necessarily something that we, we planned on doing, but it's really cool that this uh, is the passage that we ended up uh, landing on for our Easter Sunday service. I'm personally um, really excited about kind of unpacking and going through this passage specifically because this is one of those passages that has just been incredibly personally meaningful to, to me. It's one that has really changed the way I view um, the, the message, the good news of the gospel. Uh, it's, it's one that's really changed how I view kind of Christianity in general. And, and I think when we really understand this passage, when we really understand this verse, it'll kind of lift a weight on our off of our shoulders, this, this weight that we kind of unfortunately will put on ourselves sometimes when we are trying to follow Jesus. I think if we understand this correctly, it'll help kind of lift a weight off of our shoulders. And personally for me, it's something that was just this really good news. When I really understood it, it really did give me this kind of this, this encouragement and this excitement about following Jesus. And that's something that I, I, I want all of you to experience experience as well. I've mentioned a few times in past services that I, I grew up in the church. My parents were, were both ministers, and on both sides of my family, we got a ton of people that are missionaries and pastors and ministers. Both sides, it's, it's, it's kind of the family business. So you would think I would be the kind of person who would, yeah, I got it. I understand. I understand the message of the Bible, the message of Christianity, all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I understand what, what the exact uh, kind of good news of the gospel is. But I have to be honest with you and say that I really don't feel like I have 
fully grasped the, the, the sort of just awesome, exciting aspects of the good news until the, the, the last few years. And, and like I said, this passage that we are going through today is one that when I really kind of put it in its place, it, it, was, it was kind of this key that really helped open up so much of that good news of the gospel for me. So that's what I want to do for us today. But before I get started, I, I want to take a time to just pray and ask that God would help me to, to explain this clearly in a way that you guys understand, and hopefully uh, ask God to help it connect with you in the same way that it did for me. So let's do that real quick. Lord, I want to thank you so much for all the good things that you do for us. And thank you for uh, what this Easter Sunday represents and what we are celebrating uh, today specifically. I ask, Lord, that you would just help me to, to, to be clear. Give me the words to, to explain exactly what you want me to explain in this passage. And, and help it to, to connect uh, with, with our minds and with our hearts in a way that can really help uh, give us the, the, the encouragement to, to, to follow you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, it's, I distinctly remember the, the, the very first time that I really started thinking through the, the concepts in this passage. It was a, a particular um, dinner that I was actually having with, uh, with a couple friends of mine. I, uh, we were at the Las Delicias Mexican restaurant, the Las D. Mexican restaurant many of you I'm sure have been to in Memphis here and it was it was the one that's a uh, kind of at the end of get well really close by to um, where the coffee shop that I used to work at called Avenue Coffee is and I was actually at that dinner with um, with Noah Randolph our current teaching pastor um, here at Wayfarers he was uh, still working at Avenue Coffee at the time and we were there with another friend of ours who had also spent a lot of time working at Avenue Coffee and these three of us, the three of us, we were we were sitting around that table. We we're you know eating chips and dip and and getting our Mexican food, and it was one of these situations where um, we were we were kind of having a friendly disagreement, a little bit of a friendly argument about uh, a specific topic related to Christianity. In hindsight, I kind of feel bad for uh, our, that third friend of ours that was hanging out with us because he, um, he, he was on one side of the argument and, and me and Noah were both on the other side of the argument and we were, you know, ganging up on him and we were, we were trying to really, really argue for the point uh, that we, we were trying to convince him of. And and he actually did a really, really good job of, of holding his own. And in fact, he did such a good job that even though I, I was fully convinced, me and Noah were both fully convinced we were on this side of the argument, we were convinced that we were right. In, in the years since that, because it was a few years ago when I had this conversation, I have actually come around to uh, more have the perspective of my friend. So here's what we were arguing about. It was it was. Basically, a conversation, an argument, a friendly debate about um, whether Christians or whether anybody really, he was, he was, our, our friend was arguing that, that no one in the world is actually um, unselfish, that, that everyone is always doing everything that we do because we, we personally get something out of it, you know? So we, we, we go do, um, we go work because we get money, 
in return out of it. You know, we, we get some sort of reward out of the things that we do in our life. And he, he was convinced that that is the case everywhere. And me and Noah, we were arguing against that because personally, both Noah and I at the time, we were like very uh, adamant that as, as Christians, actually, that's not true. Uh, we believe that kind of one of the, the main things about Christians is that Christians don't do things for selfish reasons. Christians do things to, to help other people. That's, that's part of what it means to be a Christian is you don't uh, think about yourself. You only think about other people. You are kind of selfless. Jesus, in fact, has some very famous words he talks about, about denying yourself. And we thought that that was really central to Christianity. And so we were trying to convince our friend, we were trying to convince him that that may be true for most people. Most people out there, they may be selfish. They may be doing things because they personally get some sort of reward out of it. But that's not true for us, and, th- and that's not true for Christians. You know, Christians do things um, f- for unselfish reasons. But our friend, he pointed out that, that even when we, when we think we are doing things for, for unselfish reasons, when we think we are doing things for other people, even in that time, there's still, there's still a little tiny uh, part of it that is... is a reward for us personally. And he basically pointed out lots of times what that reward is, is that we get to feel good about ourselves. That, that's actually the reward that we are getting back, the, the, the personal reward that we get for being unselfish. Even in those times when we are trying to help other people, when we think, I'm not personally getting anything out of this, he argued, you actually are. You're, st- you're still getting a reward out of it. That reward that you're getting is that you get to feel like you're a good person. You get to feel like you've done the right thing. You get to feel like, you know, you've just done what, what is truly expected of you. You get kind of that good feeling of a job well done. And his point was that that's kind of a reward in and of itself, too. His argument was basically just focused around the fact that it's really, really hard to to do anything without getting something back from it, without getting some sort of reward. And it's kind of natural. We all, we all do that. We all want to do things because we, we feel good about it and we get a good reward back. Like I said, at the time, I was thoroughly convinced this isn't true. This isn't what the, the gospel is about. Christians aren't like that. But this passage that we're looking at today is the one that really kind of changed a lot of that for me. Because what, what you'll notice in this passage is that Jesus um, assumes that we want to get some kind of reward, that we're building up some kind of treasure that we want to get for ourselves. Jesus actually just kind of takes it as an assumption. Of course, you're trying to get something back for the work that you're doing. Of course, you want some sort of reward. Jesus doesn't even deny that. He, he just kind of takes it as, as a given. But the important thing he wants us to see is, is, is what kind of reward are we working for? So I want to reread the passage for us one more time just to kind of get our minds around exactly what it is that Jesus is saying. So again, we are in the book of Matthew, and we are in uh, chapter 6 specifically, in uh, verses uh, 19 is where we start. And Jesus says here, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And that last verse is, is, is incredibly important. I think in some ways we could even uh, change that word of treasure to, to reward. And, and Jesus could say, for where your reward is, there your heart will be also. I think in a lot of ways, this verse is, is one of the culminations of a lot of the things that Jesus is saying um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Before uh, I started this sermon, we had uh, Jacob Dooley, our um, online outreach minister. He, he, he kind of uh, recited a section from a very famous C.S. Lewis sermon called uh, The Weight of Glory. In that section, I remember reading it whenever I was a teenager, and it really, uh, really impacted me. Because what C.S. Lewis says in that, in that quote is, is he basically argues that the, the problem is not the, the desires or the rewards that we're trying to go after. Um, the, the problem is that the kinds of rewards that we want. We, we, we are settling for, for too little, he says. You know, we're, we're half-hearted creatures, he says. We, we settle for, for drink, for alcohol, for sex, for, for, for these uh, kind of small rewards. When, when there's this kind of infinite, amazing, awesome reward that's offered us. And, and we're, we're settling for too, for too little. And I love that example he gives where he, he basically says, we're kind of like these children, these children who, who just have no imagination and who are having a really good time. We are enjoying making mud pies in the slum where we live. And people come and they might try to offer us this opportunity of a, of a, vac- of a holiday, of a vacation uh, at the beach, uh, a, a holiday at sea. And instead we're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine uh, with my mud pies <laughs> because I've never been to the sea and I can't imagine how amazing that might actually be. And that last line is just is so um, kind of convicting. The, the, the point he says is really that we are far too easily pleased. And the more I read the words of Jesus, both in this passage and throughout all of the words of Jesus, I realize this is kind of what Jesus is saying over and over and over again. Jesus is frustrated with the people because he is telling them, you, you guys are just way too easily pleased. You're setting the bar way too low on what your rewards could actually be. You're going after the, 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 the kinds of treasures that actually aren't worth anything. And what Jesus says specifically is that we are going after earthly treasures, treasures that, that disappear, treasures that don't last, things that, that, that like the moth and the vermin destroy. And Jesus doesn't want us to set our eyes on those sorts of rewards and that sort of treasure. Instead, he wants us to set our eyes on, on the heavenly reward, the eternal reward, the, a reward that will last forever. We are settling for the mud pies when instead we could be seeing kind of the incredible uh, joy that comes with a, a beach vacation. And that's, that's, a, that's a crazy kind of comparison to make to, to kind of realize what it is that we are doing. And, and I think that that's actually really true. This is a lot of what Jesus is saying. The problem isn't that you guys are going after things or that you're, you're focused on things. It's that you're focused on the wrong things. You've set your sights too low. You've settled for way too little. And, and what Jesus is coming, what he is actually offering us is this incredible treasure that, that is, you know, makes the other stuff kind of pale in comparison. There's this uh, incredible uh, parable Jesus tells, this story he tells of a man who goes and he, 
he finds uh, this treasure in, in a field. He, he digs up in this field and he finds this incredible treasure that is just so valuable and worth so much. And he is so convinced by the value of that treasure that this man actually goes and he, he sells everything he has. He sells literally everything that he has. And he gets scrapes together the money he gets from everything he has so that he can go buy this field and, and get this treasure. And Jesus actually says that is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is that treasure, that treasure that is so valuable, that is so important, that is just worth so much, that it's worth giving up on everything else that we have to to attain it. And this is a really important distinction. I think this is an incredibly important distinction that really helps to bring, like I said, the good news of the gospel together. And the reason for that is because I think lots of times we have this idea of Christianity where where, where God just doesn't like fun. He doesn't like any of the good things that we like. And he just wants us to, to kind of get rid of all the fun stuff, get rid of all the fun, get rid of all the good in our lives and just be kind of these like boring, religious, pious people. And I have to admit, that is kind of the attitude I had towards Christianity um, a lot of my life growing up. I, I thought that what God wanted me to do is he wanted me to kind of get rid of all of uh, these other things in my life. And, and that that was kind of the goal of Christianity was for, for me to, to remove all of these temptations and all of these other things, these, these sinful things that I do in my life. But the more and more I read the words of Jesus in this passage and others, the more I realize Jesus isn't doing that. He, he's, he's saying, I am offering you something incredible. I'm offering you something uh, better. I'm offering you kind of the best thing I could possibly give you. It's actually the best thing that could possibly exist. That's actually the thing that I'm holding out in front of you, the gift and the offer that I am giving you. And when you realize how important and how valuable this gift is, you're not going to have to, you're not going to be upset about giving up on the other stuff because the other stuff, it just pales in comparison to the incredible value of this gift. And in this passage, Jesus actually uses the words of kind of earthly things that pass away versus heavenly things that last forever. And I think that distinction is what will really help us understand exactly what kind of treasure, what is the, the sort of treasure, the sort of awesome gift that Jesus is offering us. What actually is the thing that he is holding out and he is saying, here, take this. This is going to be so much better than, than, than that, that, that alcohol and then the sex and then the, the, the other things that kind of uh, in, in, engulf your life. I'm actually offering you this other thing. What is that thing? That thing is a, is, it's a heavenly reward. And this is one of those ideas that can be a little bit confusing. But as I have truly understood more and more what Jesus means by a heavenly reward, I've started to really understand why that is something that I actually am excited about, something that I actually want. You see, I kind of grew up with this idea of the heavenly reward being heaven itself, right? You know, you get to go be up in the clouds somewhere, I don't know, play a harp, sing some songs. Um, it, it's nicer, I guess, than going to hell and suffering and being tortured forever. But, you know, it, it just didn't really sound that exciting. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do. That heavenly reward, it just it didn't seem like this, this kind of awesome treasure that I would go and sell everything I owned uh, to get. 
But I think this is kind of the incredible uh, thing about Easter Sunday and about Resurrection Sunday. You see, uh, the Sunday of the resurrection, when Jesus raised from the dead, what he was actually showing us on Resurrection Sunday was he, is, he was giving us a taste, giving us a glimpse of exactly what the reward that is waiting for us actually looks like. Uh, the Apostle Paul, lots of times in, in, in the, the uh, letters he writes later on, he, he kind of connects the fact that, that in the resurrection of Jesus on that resurrection day, when we look at his body, when we look at his resurrection itself, that, that's giving us a taste, that's giving us a glimpse of what we can look forward to. That resurrection that Jesus experienced is actually a part of that heavenly promise that he is offering to, to each and every one of us. And there's a couple things I want us to notice about uh, what we see from Jesus in the resurrection. It's kind of awesome. When, when Jesus is, is resurrected, he, he, he comes forward, uh, out of the grave on Easter Sunday. And in his resurrection self, uh, it's, it's not like he's some sort of um, angel on a cloud playing a harp like those visions of heaven that I had had growing up. Notice about the things about Jesus. Jesus is, is, is there in a body, a body with, with you know, flesh and, and, and blood like, like, like we have today. He actually lets his, his disciples come and, and touch him and realize that he has this physical body. So, so when you are offered the promise of resurrection, it's the offer of, of being able to resurrect into a heavenly body. You're not some angel in heaven. You are going to be a human being, just like you are now. That means you're going to get to eat. We see that from Jesus. Jesus eats together with his friends. He gets to have these awesome uh, meals together after the resurrection. You're going to get to to hang out and 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 to and to have that communal aspect of living life together with your friends. We see Jesus doing that with his disciples and with many of the people that followed him. And you're going to get just kind of all of the, the, the best parts of what it means to be human, but just kind of ramped up all the way to 11. You see, this is really uh, what I have started to realize about the, the, the heavenly promises, that, that treasure that will not be destroyed that is being offered to us. We, we actually already know what that treasure is going to look like. We, we catch glimpses of it in, in our day-to-day lives here and now. Anytime you just have that kind of amazing cup of coffee and you just think, man, this is incredible. I want you to realize you are getting a glimpse of, of what that heavenly promise is going to be like. The, the, the heavenly uh, promise is, is that, that awesome cup of coffee, but, you know, times a million. Anytime you have uh, kind of a, a chance to get together with some friends and, and, and get to experience kind of an, an awesome meal together, hanging out with your friends, and you just think this is incredible, this is amazing, that, that, that's a tiny glimpse of what you will actually get to experience. That's a tiny glimpse of kind of the, the heavenly reward that is being offered to you. Anytime you watch a movie, an amazing movie that you just think, man, this is inspiring, this was entertaining, I love this movie, I love what this is all about, that, that's a tiny glimpse of the kind of awesome and incredible heavenly reward that is going to be offered to you. I, I could go on and on, but the, the, the point is that all of the best things that we have in our life today, all of those things, all those things that we love, are actually going to be part of the heavenly reward. But just kind of the final, more complete 
and, and the version of it that is kind of the the full version that this earthly version only kind of points and hints to. And that's really helped change my perspective about heaven lots of times. Anytime I am enjoying something here on earth, anytime I am enjoying something, anytime something brings me joy, something brings me happiness, I, I, I try to pay attention and really notice that thing in that moment in time and realize that I'm getting a taste of heaven. The heavenly reward is going to be the, the kind of awesome and final version of that thing exactly. And this is something that was uh, an important component of a lot of C.S. Lewis's writings. And um, it's, it's something that I, I've noticed in a lot of his books as I've kind of uh, read uh, a lot of the different things he says. But one of the, the ideas in C.S. Lewis's books that really helped me grasp this the, the most solidly is in one of his books called uh, The um, Great Divorce. And in this book, C.S. Lewis kind of lays out what his kind of idea, his kind of vision of what, what that heavenly reward might actually look like. And this uh, experience that this character has as he's kind of entering that heavenly realm is, is something that is an image that has really stuck with me. And it's this image of, of a man who goes out and he steps into this grassy field that he is seeing. And it, it almost hurts to step on the grass because the grass is like more solid than he is. You know, he hasn't been in, in heaven very long. He hasn't kind of fully solidified into his heavenly body. And so the grass is almost like harder and more solid than even his own body is. And what he realizes as he kind of goes through this, this heavenly uh, valley and all of these places in this heavenly realm is that it's a lot like earth. You know, there's grass, there's trees, there's people, there's all the things he loves about earth. But they're like harder, they're more solid, they're more real. That is the promise that is being offered to us. It is the more real and final version of all the things that we only catch glimpses of in our day-to-day -day lives today. It's kind of hard to fully explain that concept. And so we have uh, these weekly podcasts that we do. We call them deep dives every Wednesday. We stream them live on Facebook at five o'clock and then we uh, in the evening and then we post uh, recordings of them later on. And that's what we're going to explain and we're going to unpack it a little bit more if you're kind of skeptical, if you, you don't understand exactly what that means. I I'm going to explain a little bit more how, how we get to that, how we really understand that the heavenly reward is the, the more solid and final version of just the earthly things that we have today. But I think in the resurrection, we can really see the, 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 the promise that is being offered to us. We see this uh, way that Jesus overcomes uh, death. We see the way that he overcomes the things that kind of scare us and worry us. I'm somebody who has struggled personally with a lot of anxiety issues most of my life, and a lot of those anxieties have to do uh, with death. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of all of the various things out there that I know that exist that could, could kill me. And the, the, the beauty and the awesome thing about Resurrection Sunday is that we get to kind of see in Jesus a, a glimpse of the ultimate heavenly promise that is offered us. And the only point I want you to get is that that heavenly promise is something that you actually already have caught tastes and glimpses of. You, you, you kind of know what that is going to look like. 
heaven is the best version of everything that you've gotten a taste of here on earth. So if you're somebody who was like me, who, who kind of is convinced for the longest time that what Christianity is offering is, is, is just this, um, way to get away from, from punishment and from, from suffering in hell. And instead we got to kind of fall into line with serving this God. And that's, that's what Christianity is all about. It's about avoiding punishment. I want us to, I want you to really change your perspective. And especially for those of you that are already Christians, realize what Jesus is offering us is an eternal treasure. He wants our heart to be set on that. He wants us to be okay with the fact that, yeah, he is offering us a reward, and it's a good reward. He's a good father. He's a good God who loves giving good gifts, and he wants us to be excited about that reward. And one of the best ways that we can get excited about what it is that God is offering us is to to just take the time to notice the things that bring us joy in our day-to-day lives, the things that, that we go out there and the things that we desire. C.S. Lewis says that those, uh, those desires are the things that are pointing us to the kind of ultimate fulfillment of that desire in heaven. And so that is something that has just really changed uh, a lot of my life. I, I have been able to be just way more thankful about the awesome things, the, the things that I enjoy in life. And it has kind of let my imagination just kind of run loose as I, as I catch these tastes of, uh, of heaven in my uh, day-to-day life. And, and I, I find time to thank God for those things. And I imagine what the more final and complete versions of those things might actually be. And that's something that I think is this kind of really awesome thing that is promised to us. On, on Easter Sunday, on the Resurrection Sunday, where we get a, a vision and a, and a glimpse of what that final reward is going to actually look like. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this just incredible reward that I know we, we don't deserve. I know I don't deserve it. I thank you for, for giving us a vision of that reward, for letting us see a, a taste of it, when we look at, at, at you at the, the resurrection on, on Easter Sunday, that is, you know, the, the, the thing that we actually get to look forward to. We get to look forward to being resurrected and having those same heavenly eternal bodies, that eternal reward in the same way that Jesus did. That, that's a big part of what is promised to us. And that is a, a great thing to look forward to. Help us to keep that in mind as we day, live our day-to-day lives. And help that to be our, our focus um, as, we, as we follow you and, and we learn how to serve you better in our day-to-day lives. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, C.S. Lewis, he, um, in that quote that Jacob read at the beginning, he says that we're, we're kind of half-hearted creatures. We, we're fooling about with drink with sex with these these little things that are that are you know not worth comparing to the awesome treasures that are offered us in heaven but i think that uh something that i i think c.s lewis may not have realized is that um some of those 
those things, those, those half-hearted things that we fool about with, with, with drink, with sex, those are things that the Bible actually uses to, to point us to heaven. Uh, all of the uh, Jewish festivals involved um, some form of alcohol. It was this opportunity for them to get together and to, to, to be joyous and to enjoy their time together. Uh, we don't realize that lots of times alcohol itself is supposed to be this thing that is uh, a, a sign of, of kind of the joy that we get to have um, in, in heaven. And, and, and sex is kind of the same way. This, the, the, the joy, the awesome kind of uh, joy and pleasure that comes in, in sex in marriage, um, that actual thing is, is, is connected with, with uh, the, the, the church and Jesus. Um, Jesus actually describes himself as the, as the groom and the, the church as the bride. And one of these awesome things about the, the final promise that is offered when, when Jesus is explaining what that, that final resurrection is going to look like is he compares it to a, to a marriage uh, feast. One of these things that includes both the, uh, the, 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 the drink and in some ways the, the, the promise of, of, of the, the joys of, of marriage. And, and he says that this kind of final uh, feast that we are going to all get to be a part of, that is, is what this heavenly promise that he's offering us is actually going to look like. So I think I would kind of clarify some of the things that C.S. Lewis is saying a little bit and, and realize that we are settling for, for, for drink and, and, and for sex and for excesses of these smaller versions, these things that are meant to point us to God and to the, the promise that he is offering us. And, and they're, they're good things. That's one of the things I, I really want to emphasize. The, the things that God has given us, these joys that we have, the things that you find joy in specifically, they're good, they're made by God, and, and they're things that are, are good uh, for us. But the problem is they're not the, the final good, the ultimate good that, that Jesus is offering us. And that final good can only come if we truly uh, surrender our lives to him. We have to do what that other man did. We have to sell everything that we own to buy that treasure in that field. To really be a part of the, of the family of God and to really get to finally get that final reward we have to be able to trust him with everything, with our lives, with everything that is a part of us. We need to make sure that he is the one that is in charge. We give him everything. We turn it all over to him. But it's actually a really good deal. That's kind of the whole point I'm trying to make. It, it may seem harsh. It may seem like, well, I'm not going to give over control of my life. I'm not going to give over control of everything that I have. I'm not going to give myself over completely. But I, I want you to realize it's an incredible deal because the thing that you are going to get back is going to be so much better than anything that you have lost. And so I wanted to make sure that as I ended here today, I just wanted to offer that uh, invitation to any of you that are watching. If you do not feel like you have ever made that, that final um, decision to just turn over everything that you have to God— this is a, a kind of a great opportunity to do that. 
one of the, the ways that the early church showed that is through uh, baptism. They would they would uh, dunk people completely underwater in this baptism ceremony. And, and the point of that was that it was kind of like a grave. It's like they're going down under the grave. They're being buried. They are dying. They are selling everything. They are getting rid of everything. But then they are being raised into this new life and into the promise of this eternal reward that Jesus is offering them. And that is a really awesome thing to look forward to. So if you've never had the opportunity or if you never feel like you have made that decision and, and you've never gotten to actually go through that baptism ceremony that Christians have been doing for uh, thousands of years, then I encourage you, you know, just reach out. I would love uh, to talk to you. I'm actually going to, uh, you know, put up my email address uh, here at the bottom of the screen. Um, you know, email me. Uh, I would love to talk, you know, if we want to get together and talk, if you want to call me and talk, whatever it might be, I would love to talk to you about what it looks like to, to finally turn over everything in yourself to Jesus. And I want to just assure you, it's going to be the best decision you've ever made. So if you've never made that decision, this is a great time to do it. Easter Sunday, that's what this Sunday is all about. Either way, I'm very thankful that you've decided to tune in to our service today. I hope that it has given you something to think about, and I hope that um, the, the promises of the eternal reward, those treasures in heaven that Jesus is promising us, are something that will really help get you through the tough times of this week and of this life in general. Thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you next week, and I hope that this week is one that is, uh, finds you very blessed by God. <laughs>